Well, I want to jump straight into the Word this morning. And uh, my title is, Eternity Might Be Different Than You Think. Eternity Might Be Different Than You Think. This is still part of the series on trajectory. We learned that trajectory uh, is very important that we sometimes, like they do in space, fire these little attitude rockets to get us back onto the course or the correct trajectory. And so over recent weeks, last week we did our church anniversary, and so we sort of interrupted, <clears throat> in a positive sense, the, the series, but I'm back on track, okay? So we, we started to see that the Bible actually talks a lot about rewards, and way more than what we ever preach about or ever really think about. And uh, we're going to pick up from there today. I want you to look at a scripture in, the, uh, in Isaiah chapter 11. Now this particular scripture, I'm going to tell you up front, is not about eternity, it's about the millennial period. So after Jesus comes back, he's going to establish rule on the earth for a thousand years. And when you study about the millennium, you'll see that you know, there's still some effects of the curse on the earth. But right after the millennium and the final judgment of Lucifer and he's thrown into the lake of fire and death is thrown in the lake of fire, the Bible says death is the last enemy to be dealt with. When the curse of death is sucked up like a vacuum cleaner off the earth, and thrown into the lake of fire, then God builds a new earth. He recreates it, and a new heaven, and a new Jerusalem comes down, and we live forever with him. Emmanuel, God with us. But the, yeah, yeah, praise God. But the scripture I'm about to read to you is during that millennial period. And I want to show you that God's normal is very different than the normal we're used to. Did you get that? Our paradigm of what's normal was never normal to God. And so I'm going to give you a little window, a little picture of what God calls normal because the millennium is one step closer to how life will eventually be in the new heavens and the new earth. So here we go. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6 to 7. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. Today, you would have to say fat chance. Do you use that phrase here in America? Fat chance. You do or you don't? All right. Impossible. In Australia, we say fat chance. If something is really just, yeah, right. Sure. You're dreaming. All right. We say fat chance. Well, the Bible says the wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. Yeah, right. The calf with the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. That's amazing. Let's look at the next verse. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. Hello, that's not the norm we're used to. 
I used to come home from school, from high school, and I'd turn on the TV. I used to love watching the nature programs about the Serengeti and stuff like that and watch the lions. The, the male lion would roar and the females would circle the prey that they're going after. The lion flushes them out with his roar. The females, they do all the hard work, you know. Yeah, they'd take that sucker down. And, you know, you hear the commentators, and this is nature, you know, and blood's dripping down the lion's beard, and, you know, that's fallen nature. This is God's nature. The whole earth, in Romans chapter 8, Paul says, the earth is groaning in travail, groaning and moaning for the revelation of the sons of God. This physical earth is going through birth pains and it's moaning, earthquakes. The earth is moaning because it's under the weight of sin. It's under the curse of death. It was never designed to be such. And Paul says it's waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. Even the earth is saying, hurry up. (laughs) I can't stand the pollution of sin. See, God's normal is really way different than our normal. In fact, from our normal perspective, that's whacked out. And God says, no, that's how it was from the beginning. You see, in Genesis chapter 1, and I don't have this on my notes, so don't freak out up the back, it's okay. But in Genesis chapter 1, I think it's verse 29, after God creates all the animals, the fish, the birds, he creates man, he creates all the trees, yada, yada, yada. And we get down, I think it's verse 29 or 27. He says, and I give every kind of plant and fruit-bearing plant uh, to you, Adam and Eve to eat as food and for all the beasts and all the birds and all the fish I give them plants as food. Wow. Before the fall animals didn't tear each other apart. See before the fall humans didn't tear each other apart either. It's after the fall. And we live in a very different order than God's divine order. So maybe eternity might be different than what we think. So I want to show you a little video real quick. This is called BTL. How many of you like BTLs? B- sorry, BLTs. What the heck? If it ain't Italian food, I get confused. Give me pizza. (laughs) BLTs. How many of you like BLTs? Okay. Well, I'm going to show you a very unique kind of BLT, a a bear, a lion, and a tiger. Here we go. So this is Baloo, an American black bear. He's 12 years old, and he's been at this wildlife sanctuary here in Atlanta ever since he was a little cub. And all through his life, even into adulthood, He's been keeping company with a couple of animals, well, you just wouldn't expect. And there's one of them now. In the same enclosure before. 
Shere Khan is a Bengal tiger who's also around 12 years old. Asian black bears and tigers do share the same territory in the Far East, but when they meet, one of them ends up badly injured or killed. And so to see these two guys, they're around 12 years old, showing so much affection for each other, it's pretty amazing. The third member of this unlikely friendship is a lion called Leo. The bear's the boss, and then Leo the lion falls in second, and then Shere Khan's a little, you know, he's a little wild child. And when they're sleeping in the clubhouse, all three of them, they pile in together. They just know each other, and they love each other. Jama Hedgecoff is the founder of this sanctuary, and she's looked after the three of them since they were just a couple of months old. Kept illegally as pets, they were confiscated by the authorities and brought to her wildlife sanctuary. They had been in a dark basement, and they were all kept together. And then the tiger and the lion's noses were busted up, and they're scarred to this day. What absolutely fascinates me is the fact that these are grown predators in their own right yes. who are displaying so much affection for each other. Right, yes. What do you think is going on here? Well, they're truly a family. They've never been separated. We tried twice when they first came in, and they wouldn't eat. They cried all day. So after about eight or nine hours, I said, oh, well, they're just babies. Let's put them back together. describe these three as friends very close friends I wished I had a friend as close as they are <laughs> you see we see the result of three wild predators who bore pain together were abused together suffered together and became friends together and what we would normally recognize as nature and their nature, a common bond of pain and abuse brought them together, and they're the best of friends. I show you that because if that's possible, then it's only a half-inch step to believe that God can wave his hand and the old order of things can change. And things will come back to his divine order. Can I get an amen? Absolutely. So maybe eternity might be different than you think. By the way, uh, put your orders in now. I already told God that I want a couple of lions as pets. <laughs> I'm going to have, uh, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to have uh, a male lion with a big mangy beard and stuff and he and I are going to wrestle in the grass and, and play around and, and you know and I've been saying that for years and I've just decided I think I want two or three of them yeah my son used to say to me and he still does he says dad I want a T-Rex <laughs> I said well that's okay because they'll lie down together and play <laughs> here we go there are rewards in eternity. You see, sometimes we need our paradigms enlarged. Sometimes we need our perspectives enlarged. 
And unfortunately, religion has a way of putting a cone over us and making us see very narrowly. And God isn't narrow. He's very clear. There's a wide path to destruction. There's a narrow path to righteousness. He's clear about that. But God's vision and God's imagination and God's wonder at what God has prepared for us in the future, there is nothing narrow or restrictive about God's creative genius. Can I get an amen? Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in Matthew 16, and I've quoted this in our series, Matthew 16, 27, Jesus says, and Matthew writes it down, Uh, records it years later, for the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they've done. Rewards. So when He comes, and we slip from caterpillar stage to butterfly stage, when He comes, same life, we just go through a metamorphosis. When he comes, what I did here and how I did it here and how I served him, if I served him, how I loved the unlovely. I'm not saying he's unlovely. (laughs) I can play with him because he's my buddy, okay? It's like the lion and the bear. He's the bear. How we love the unlovely. How we love people that are different than us. How we care about people who are broken, hurting. How we care about building the house of God so that the word of God can spread. You know, we make church about how the church, well, it'll minister to us. No, the church is a conglomeration of the sons of God coming together so that they could strategize and affect the earth. We make everything only about us. It is about us, but it's never only about us. Can I get an amen? Absolutely. God is a redeemer, and everything that courses through his veins is about redemption. Redeeming the earth, redeeming life back to what it was supposed to be. In Hebrews, there's a phrase, the unchanging nature of God's purpose he never, he never got off track. He had a purpose in Genesis, and he restores it all in the book of Revelation. And uh, God, everything about God is redemptive. He wants to redempt the earth. He wants to redeem you. He wants to redeem the lost. Church isn't just, yeah, thank you. Church isn't just about coming here, and, and we do a couple of songs and put in our time, and okay, we feel good today. I love that aspect, and that's important. But honestly, this needs to be a house of vision so that instead of us trying to always sort out uh, every little detail of every person's life and every little disagreement, whoa, let's come together, let's party together, let's vision together, let's love together so that we can conquer together. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. Anyway. Uh, Matthew 16, 27. He says, I'm coming with my rewards. Revelation 22. Look, verse 12. I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they've done. 
So Jesus says it, Matthew writes it some years later. And then in Revelation, John gets caught up to heaven, and there he's seeing the future unfold, and Jesus says it again. And John writes it down. Wow. I think God wants us to get the message. Jesus is coming back soon, and I think some of the churches got that. But he's coming back soon with rewards. So let me throw a couple other things. There is a new order in eternity. Revelations 21, verse 1 to 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The word new there is not brand new as it never existed. It's refashioned, remodeled, gone through a complete overhaul. The heavens immediately over the earth right now is a domain of darkness. The prince of the air, the ruler of the air, the god of this age. Once death and Lucifer and all of the final enemies are picked up and thrown into the lake of fire, God's going to cleanse the atmosphere, the heavens over the earth. He will totally refurnish the earth. It'll be new to the core. And it goes on and it says, this is cool stuff. I love this. We've been doing this a little bit in year two of Bible school. And I love Bible school because I could go so much deeper. We have, we have a ball. And year one, year one and year two students, is Bible school as good as I say it is? Yes. It's just, it gives us such an opportunity to go deeper. But anyway, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea, okay? And it goes on and says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. Wow. In the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve sinned, they recognized the sound of God walking in the cool of the day. You know why? God did that a lot. You see, everything that was in the garden before the fall, it'll be brought back to it in the end of the book of Revelation. And we think of eternity as being white-robed angels standing in heaven, and for the rest of eternity, we're going to be going, <laughs> better than that, hopefully. But anyway, I hope your imagination's better than that. La! All right? No, God's got a much bigger and grandiose imagination than that. And it says a new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven. All right? Uh, that's pretty cool, isn't it? How many of you think that's pretty cool? And, and it says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. He will be, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. I showed you this video because I want to mess with your head. 
I showed you this video because I want to stretch parameters in your imagination. I showed you this video because we're not in the millennium and we're not in the new heaven and the new earth. And if that's possible because of common pain and common bondage and a nature can be defied and they can act so contrary, how much more when God redeems the earth? Absolutely. And so we tend to see things through very, very narrow mindsets. And God is incredibly awesome. Well, in the same chapter, let me show you something else that will happen. In the same chapter, Revelation 21, verse 22 to 27. So it's chapter 21, and it says, I did not see a temple in the city. This is the new Jerusalem. It comes down out of heaven. There's a new earth. By the way, this new Jerusalem is 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles high. Do you know that the prophets of old in the Old Testament prophesied that Jerusalem will be the highest mountain in the world. And here's John in the book of Revelations. He gives us through the angel the measurement of the city. It's literally the new Jerusalem will be two-thirds the size of continental USA. And 1,400 miles high, it'll be like a mountain, like a pyramid. And you know why? Because the heavens where Satan once ruled have been cleansed and the whole airway around the earth will be filled with the glory of God. Wow! I'm going to talk to all the ladies for a minute. You girls know what a bad hair day is, right? There will never be another bad hair day. And all the men said under their breath, thank you, Jesus. Okay, I didn't see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, gives it light, and the the Lamb is its lamp. Now watch this next verse. The nations will walk by its light. Stop. The nations and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Can I tell you that every cultural group that's on earth today, every race, every nationality, every color, will have its redemption in eternity. And we will have people groups of every tongue. You've heard it. Sometimes we just don't connect it. Every tongue and every tribe will be singing worship to God. They'll be black, they'll be white, they'll be yellow, they'll be Latinos, they'll be Italians, they'll be Irish people, they'll be Scottish people wearing their kilts. Come on, you know, God celebrates diversity. You see, sin makes a lion and a bear not get together in the wild, and sin makes a white person, a black person, a Latin person not get together. In the wild. We are the church. No room for that stuff. Because if there is, then the wild is in us. And it's not God's norm. Okay, I said it. 
And I'm glad I said it. But watch, watch this. It says, verse 24, the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. That's, That's another verse, okay? That's verse 24. Wow. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory, verse 26, the glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. The glory of the nations. Wow. You know, in the Old Testament, when God gave Moses a pattern for worship, he said, bring me the first fruits. They brought the first fruits to the temple. He said, bring me a tenth of your sheep, your goats, your cattle. And they worshiped God with song, with dance, with all kinds of arts. They worshiped him with timbrels, with guitars. They, they worshiped him with their form of technology. And they worshiped him with the produce of their hands. And in the New Jerusalem, they're going to be people groups And they're going to be kings, and they're going to be princes. They're going to be governors. There's going to be rulers. You see, we don't always think of heaven like that. But any concept of heaven that is contrary to the word of God is a fable. That's make-believe. This is the truth. The word of God is the truth. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so the Bible says there'll be no seed. Do you know that the earth is covered by two-thirds? Of water? Two-thirds of the earth is covered by water. Do you know how much land and territory is going to be livable again? And God's throne, it says that from his throne, under his throne will come a sparkling, clear, energized river of life. And it'll spread out. It'll water the whole earth. Baby, you will jump in that river of life and you will never see any pollution or rubbish or an old tire. No, sir. Amen. Everything will be green. (laughs) No pun intended. But, you know, we, we use fossil fuels to get from place A to B. In those days, we'll just think of being in a place and we'll be there, just like Philip the evangelist was transported in the Spirit. Jesus said, you know, Paul says when our bodies are resurrected, we're going to get glorified bodies. Well, Jesus' body was resurrected. He said, my body is glorified. He said, but sit down, eat with me. And he broke bread with them. And then he disappeared through the wall. Yo, this is going to be fun. I don't know about you, but I mean, come on. Let's, let's shake off the dead religion. If you really believe the word of God is the word of God, this is going to be amazing. Dakota, can you imagine? Who's, who's that, uh, that, it's one of those electronic games and he's a, uh, bluey purple creature and they just made a video a movie of him sonic yeah there you go do you ever see how quickly sonic moves you ain't seen nothing yet this is going to be one lean keen flying machine see right now we live in a world where the laws of the natural 
our Lord. That's not divine order. This is a fallen order. And so right now, we look at a wall, and there's limitation. Because the natural world rules us. When Jesus was here on earth, it was normal for him to walk on water. In God's divine order, it's spirit first. We live in a fallen order. So there will be a new order. And we'll travel, but we'll travel like, bang, we're there. Wouldn't that be cool playing football up in heaven? (laughs) I'll be able to score a touchdown. You won't even know I did it. (laughs) I'm having fun. Are you having fun? But this is the word of God. Now watch. Because I'm going to get to the most important part. There are cities in eternity. We just read that. People groups, nationalities, different levels of authority. Now here's the key. All of that is nice to know. But now I'm going to tell you the need to know. All of that is really cool. And we laughed and, you know, I've been searching out more and more scripture. I love that stuff. That is really cool. That's the nice to know. Here's the need to know. Turn with me to Luke chapter 19. While they were still listening to this, Jesus, he went on to tell them a parable. A parable is a parallel to reality in another dimension. A parable is a parallel to a truth. He went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Next verse. He said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed as king and then to return. Now Jesus is talking about himself. He's talking about the fact that he is of noble birth, he's going to go back to heaven, and he's going to return. Okay? Next verse. So he called ten of his servants, and he gave them ten minutes. He said, put this money to work until I come back. Next verse. But his subjects hated him, and they sent the delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. Next verse. He was made king. However, and he returned home. I love the fact that God calls this home. Did you get that? Pay attention because every word that is written was written on purpose. None of it is fill. Every word carries weight. He returned home, okay? And then he sent for his servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your minna has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you've been trustworthy in in a very small matter, Take charge of ten cities. Stop. 
A parable is a parallel of a truth. Ten cities, oh, that's an allegory. That's, that's just, it's a, it's a parable. It's not real. No, Revelation says kings will come from their nations and bring the produce, the glory, the splendor of their homeland, what their people produce, and bring it into the holy city as a form of worship. You see, I, I, every Sunday, almost every Sunday, I say, when we take up tithes and offerings, I said, this is part of our worship. Uh-huh. Tithes and offerings. The tithe, he says, is his. The offering is how much I think he's worth. I'll let that settle. But anyway. <laughs> the offering is my thanksgiving. The tithe is the test of integrity. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But he says to this guy, he says, give him ten cities. You see, please, what I'm trying to do is unwrap religious thought off of our brains. We live for the now. We have no concept of eternity. Uh, You know, we have, well, we have a very vague general concept of eternity. Eighty years here, ninety years here is a blip. It's a split second. It's a nanosecond next to the stretch of eternity. We are in transition. God is bringing earth back to the unchanging nature of his plan. We have gotten so caught up in what is a broken down version of God's utopia. And this servant was rewarded for what he did with that one minute here, and it determined how he was placed there. I didn't write the parable. This is Jesus. Remember, Jesus is God in the flesh. So nobody knows how the story ends better than God. Hello? He says, because you've been trustworthy in very small matter, take charge of ten cities. Next verse. The second man came and said, sir, your minna has earned five more. And again, his master answered, you take charge of five cities. And again, then another servant came and said, sir, here's your minna. I kept it, laid it away in a piece of cloth. Next verse, I was afraid of you. Uh, I said the wrong thing, dude. You see, we make judgments about people based on what we know about us. And faith is a judgment about the character of God. When you're exercising faith, you're saying, God, I know you don't lie. I know you don't exaggerate. Your, your word says this, I trust you. I don't see it. I don't hear it. I'm not experiencing it. Everything in the natural, this realm that wants to stay, Lord, is screaming at me the opposite. Yet will I believe your word above even my senses. Faith is a judgment about the character of God. And so this guy says, I was afraid of you. Because you're a hard man. 
You take out what you didn't put in and you reap where you didn't sow. Verse 22. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words. Listen, the Bible says this is a principle. Hear the principle. Judge not lest you be judged. What it means is the way you judge others, the way you judge, the way you make judgments in life, those same judgments out of your mouth will be the judgments against you. (laughs) I don't want to judge anyone anymore. All of a sudden now, I want to be really gracious. I want to be really kind. I want... Yeah, love believes all things. (laughs) You see how when we get the truth of the Word of God, it changes our perspectives and it changes our living. So, in this parable, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man. So what Jesus is saying is, okay, so in your opinion, I'm a hard man. I take out what I didn't put in and I reap where I didn't sow. All the more, if that's your judgment of me, you should have done your due diligence. Let's keep reading. Verse 23. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Stop. You. You. You, you, every one of us, we are his minna. So when he comes back, oh, we're going to say, here I am. You got me. He's looking for his minna with interest. Hang on a second. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. Man. I'm still spinning. Hello? You see, the enemy has duped us. His nature is to steal, kill, and destroy. His nature is to steal, kill, and destroy. His nature is to steal, kill, and destroy. If he can't keep you out of heaven, he wants you to go to heaven bankrupt. Jesus said, don't store up treasures here. Store them up in heaven. See, bankrupt's not my concept, it's God's concept. He said, store up your riches in heaven. How you live here. Are you forgiving your brother? Are you loving your sister? Are you helping that person in need? That person that would naturally cause you to go, oh, yuck, I don't want to go near them. I don't want to touch them. They're dirty. They're slimy. Uh, You know, they're hanging out by Chick-fil-A. They live out there in the street. Uh, What do you do? Do you roll down the window and spit at them? What do you do? Roll up your window and just pray, say, oh, God, have mercy? Because that was one of the actions that one of the people did in the parable of the Good Samaritan, and that guy wasn't the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan was the guy who wasn't a Jew. There was enmity between Samaritans and Jews, and it was the Samaritan, not the priest, who stopped and dressed the man's wounds and took him to a hospital and paid the bill. Listen, church, I'm going to give account for how honest and truthfully I've preached the Word of God. And if touching 
sticky subjects like this would slow down numerical growth? Tough. I want to get the whole world saved. But I am not going to save the world on a delusion or a lie. How we live today. God's watching. You're his minna. What are you doing to help build the local church? What are you doing to help build the nursery? Oh, yeah, that's just babysitting. I don't do baby. No, that's ministry. You hear it out of my mouth all the time. They minister in there. They teach those kids to pray. You know why? Because spirit has no age. And the spirit in a baby is fully cognizant and aware. The brain may not be, but the spirit is. That's why when you're in a hospital and a person's unconscious, their spirit is aware and you speak life around them. You never speak negative garbage. Amen. So Jesus goes on and he says, why didn't you at least put, put it in the bank to get interest? What are you doing with you? I could have left this sermon out of the series. But I wouldn't be telling you the whole truth. He will reward us according to what we've done. So look at the next verse. Then he said to those standing by, take his minna from him and give it to the one who has ten minna. Verse 25. Sir, they said, he already has ten. Verse 26. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. You see, now's when we flick the switch on our attitude rockets to make sure that we're on trajectory to God's eternity. This is where we start dealing with the foundations of our philosophy of life doesn't line up with God's philosophy of life. Am I living this life my way for my things? Am I living this life God's way for God's things? I had Danielle print up some make-believe checks for me. <laughs> big ones, big ones like this. And I don't have them here today. But if I were offering wages and they were real ten, ten, tender, uh, it, if it was real, and I said, okay, how many of you want a $1,000 week wage package? How many of you would put your hand up? How many would like $1,000 a week, okay? If I said, how many of you would like... <clears throat> $1,500 a week. How many of you would put your hands up? How many of you would say, <laughs> you could put your hand up, I'm running out the front to grab it? 
If I had 5,000 weekly dollar check, how many of you would run out the front to get it? How many of you have ever played the lottery, even once? There you go. <laughs> We'd all be running out the front. What am I saying? The enemy has duped us and hoodwinked us to live for now. Rather than to live now for him so that we could live then forever ruling and reigning with him. That's why years ago I coined the phrase, we don't go to church. We are the church. We need to get out of just the religious vernacular and understand the weight of the truth in the sentence. God's not just watching to see if you forsake the gathering of the brethren. He's watching to see if you is being the church at the water cooler. Are you being the church in the marketplace? Are you being the church when people that are dirty and unclean, less fortunate than you, ask for a little bit of help? Are you being the church when it means, oh, dang, I'd have to walk an extra block. It's going to cause me effort. Are you going the extra mile? Or when you go the extra mile, do you put up a billboard for everybody to see? Because if that's what we do, we just got our reward. Holy smokes, this? Instead of that, I'd rather keep my mouth shut, do my good stuff for Jesus, and let God reward me. Amen? Is the word of God touching your heart? Because I hope it is. We have to be real as his church. And we have to be real involved. We have to be real involved. Thank you, Russ. We really need to change our style of Christianity. We have got to be the church that the gates of hell cannot compete with. You as an individual, me as an individual, and us as a corporate body. Let's stand. Have I ever told you I love you? And I do. I do. I preach like it's my responsibility to keep you on track. And I preach like as if I was your daddy and I want my kids to walk the best road and uh, hit the mark. I'm excited. I am. I'm excited. <laughs> Eternity is going to be phenomenal. And you know what? Yeah, I'll agree. Life here sometimes can really stink. And helping people 
Man, it could stretch your attitude. I know. I agree. Hey, listen. You don't know this. There are 365 days in a year. I tender my resignation 1,249 times a year. It says, Moses considered not the treasures of Pharaoh's courts, but he persevered because he saw the treasure and the rewards of Christ. Let's live this life as ambassadors of the greatest message in the universe. Let's live this life as billboards of what God has done and can do. Let's live this life as expressions. The kingdom of God has come to earth. Man, Satan doesn't have to rule everything. We live in his kingdom and there is liberty, there is victory, there is forgiveness, there is healing, there is deliverance. Oh, but I'm not going to tell anybody. Jesus said to his disciples, go into every city, every street, preach the good news, the kingdom of God has come. I'm here to bust up Satan's monopoly over the earth. I'm here to bust up his monopoly over people's lives. The kingdom of God is here. They don't have to live beat down, broken up, smashed and hopeless. And we've tasted it. We sat at his table and we've eaten it. And then we discreetly wipe our lips and quietly slip away and don't tell anyone about the greatest restaurant in Tampa. <laughs> Jesus, help us. Jesus, help us. I'm glad I made you laugh because the truth of it makes us cry. I'm not going to be a preacher. I don't know how to do this any other way than how I do this. Heart to heart. Truth. Spirit. Come on, church. Let's be the church of Jesus Christ. And let's forget about the Maserati or all these lofty goals. You could have them. That's okay. But have 1,000 times more goals for the kingdom of God. I'm not against BMWs. I'm not against a Porsche. I'm not against a nice house. No, 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 no. We are not anti-blessing. We are anti it being just about us. Be blessed. But then use the blessing as a vehicle of worship and use it as a vehicle of blessing to others. God gives seed to the sower.
If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, I would love to introduce you to the greatest experience in my entire life. I'm 61, so I'm really old. (laughs) In 61 years, I've never found anything better. I've watched my parents' lives, and they're older than me, and in the culmination of their entire lives, I've never seen anything better. If you haven't made your peace with God, if Jesus isn't the living Lord and Savior in your heart, come on, don't let what you think somebody else is going to think stop you from doing the most important thing in the world. If you're ready to ask Jesus in your heart, put your hand up. Come on, put your hand up right now. If that's you, say, I want this Jesus in my life. I want to accept him as my Savior, as my Christ. Amen. Don't miss out. Don't, don't, don't miss out. And for those of us who got inside the gates, Jesus said, I am the gate. We got inside the kingdom. You know what I find? 90% of the church is hanging around two feet inside the gates of the kingdom of God. There's a whole life to live. God wants to be who He is expressed through who you are. So ask yourself, the way you're living, is God getting to express who he is. Father, I thank you for the power of your word and the power of truth. And I pray that your truth will never be watered down. Raise up pulpits all over the world. Help me. I'm not preaching like, I'm not praying like I arrived. Not at all. Not at all. Father, help us to be more concerned about preaching truth and spirit. Revive your church. Stir us up. Help us to see the amazing power and potential that's in us because it's Christ in us. We have received the fullness of who he is. I thank you, God, we're not failures, we're not has-beens. I thank you, God, we're not inept. We are full of Christ. And the same way he was full of you, God, your word tells us that all of him is in us. I thank you for the fullness of Christ in us, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.